in the passage that we read today in Acts, we see how this has just dawned and been revealed to Peter. That Jesus is for not just one culture. He is for all nations, all races, all people of any sort. And uh, I just want us to look at this uh, beginning with the 34th uh, verse. It starts off opening his mouth. Anytime a phrase starts with those, a sentence or not a sentence, a scripture starts with that. That means that what is said next is extremely important and we need to pay attention to it. And Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. Now, we need to see the setting in which these words were given. Peter has, before this, seen this vision of uh, the unclean uh, animals being lowered down and then brought back up. And, uh, and he, Peter is told to oh, he said, rise and eat, kill and eat. And he said, no, Lord, I wouldn't do that. And the Lord tells him in this vision, what I've made clean is clean. And then just right after that, there's a knock on his door and he has been uh, asked to come to the house of Cornelius. And Cornelius is a centurion, a Roman centurion, who fears God. If we look back in the, at the second verse of uh, the 10th chapter, uh, it says that Cornelius was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So here's Cornelius. He is a Roman. He's not Jewish. And yet he is one that is seeking God. And, you know, God has made a promise to all of us. He said in the Old Testament, if you seek me with all your heart, you will ever surely find me. Cornelius was seeking God and he was a good man. He was doing what he could. He yearned to be close to God and he was doing the best he could to be close to God. But all that he was doing, you see, was not enough. Something was missing. And so God made a way for him to hear the gospel. He gave Cornelius a vision and said, send for this guy, Peter, and have him come. He has something important he needs to tell you. And so God works concurrently with Peter, helping Peter to understand some things and with Cornelius in helping Cornelius to find the truth about God and also for Peter to find the truth about God. And so when all this comes together and Cornelius tells Peter after Peter's arrived, and let's face it, Peter has just done, done something that no good Jewish boy would ever do. When he, and I've shared this with you before, 
No good Jew would ever set foot in a, in a Gentile's house. And whenever Peter stepped across that threshold in obedience to God, he was in new territory himself. This is a place he had never been before. And here things are being revealed to Peter that he didn't understand even when Jesus was walking with him and talking with him after he rose from the dead. And so here is Peter and Peter is having this great revelation. And that's whenever he says, I most certainly understand now that God's not one to show partiality. God's not partial. It's not just certain people that he wants to come to him. It's everybody that's looking for him. Everybody that desires to be close to him. He desires for them to come to him. And he goes on and he says, the word which he sent, it says, uh, and he's talking to Cornelius' household. He says, uh, but in every nation, the man who fears him and does not does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel or the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. Peace through Jesus Christ, not just peace. You know, whenever Jesus was getting ready to leave, he said, my peace, I leave with you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Last week, we talked about uh, Ephesians, uh, uh, the uh, uh, let's see, what chapter was it? The fourth chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians 4.17. It talks about people who are living in the futility of their minds. He says to them, So I say and firm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. We talked last week about how there are people that are living without Christ. And because they don't have him in their lives, life is just filled with futility. It's like Solomon says in, in the, I can't remember the name of the book now in the Old Testament. Which one is it? Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. That is it. Thank you so much, Sue. He, is, he's, he talks about how Everything's just vanity. Everything is just like dust in the wind. You get to the end of it. You think it all out. All these things that we think are making life worth living. When you get to the end of them, what do you have? He said, uh, you see somebody work real hard and they, and they get ahead and then they die. And everything they have, somebody else spends. It says everything is like this. It just seems, see, without God, there's no meaning. Everything is just futile. It all ends in just nothingness. And so why bother? It becomes like the old song. Is that all there is? If that's all there is, then let's just keep dancing, break out the booze and have a ball. Because if this is all there is, what else can we do? living in the futility of their mind. Life is meant to be so much richer. 
and we were created to be beings who have such rich lives. And yet, so many people are missing out on the richness of life because they don't have the light of life that only comes to us through Jesus Christ. And here he talks about the peace that's offered through God. He's not talking about world peace. He's not talking about the absence of conflict. He's talking about being at peace, first of all, with God. Because we are enemies of God if we haven't come to know him through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because apart from that, we're in our sins. And in our sin, we're separated from God. And when we're separated from God, we're living in futility and we're living at enmity with our creator. And so how can we know that richness? And so Peter is saying here, I realize now God wants everybody to be at peace with him. And he's offering peace to anyone who's willing to come to him on his terms, which is through Jesus Christ and no other way. And so he goes on and he talks about all that Jesus did while he was alive and how what he did whenever he was living, how whenever he healed, whenever he taught about how we could be reconciled to God, whenever he was telling those things, he was on God's behalf, reaching out and offering and showing his intention for us to be at peace with him. And then not only that, not only is peace his intention for us, he made the way for that peace to be. Because since we were separated by our sin, something had to be done for our sin. And that something, as Peter tells Cornelius and them there, is that he died on the cross. But he didn't just die. He was raised again by God. And the seal of affirmation on all that he had said and all that he was done was given at that time. And so we realize that it is through Jesus Christ that we come to have peace with God. And he says, uh, uh, he goes on and he says, uh, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And then he says, we are witnesses. We are witnesses of all the things he did. And Peter is making it clear that this really happened. We saw it, folks. Jesus is not a myth. Jesus isn't something that was made up. He really walked. He really talked. We saw him. We walked with him. And then he goes on and said, and some of us even got to walk with him and talk with him after he was raised from the dead. And after it was after he was raised from the dead, Peter says, he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this 
talking about Jesus. This is the one who has been appointed by God to be the judge of the living and of the dead. This is the one that the creator of all that is has appointed judge. Now, you know, a judge can either acquit or a judge can condemn. And Jesus makes it clear as we look in Revelation that he is the one that holds the keys to hell and to death and that he is the one who is going to be judging the living and the dead. And he judges us now. We're being judged now. Well, I want to go on and talk about this a little bit. So God offers peace to us through Jesus Christ. Who's that peace for? Every one of us. Every one of us. Because all of us are separated from God by our sin. As it says, Romans, Paul says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then in another place in Romans, he says that the wages of sin is death. And then in Hebrews, it says, and it is appointed to a man once to die. And after this is the judgment. And then in second Thessalonians, it says, all who took pleasure in unrighteousness will be condemned. Well, sin is a form of rebellion against God. It's rejecting God's will and rejecting his way. In fact, it's rejecting God himself. And that's why the Bible says that we're enemies of God and our natural and sinful state. And, uh, you know, many times when we think about sin, we just think about robbery and murder and adultery. The Bible tells us that sin is anything that doesn't please God or is a transgression of his law. Anything that we do that we should not, uh, like losing our temper and saying something that hurts someone willfully. Whenever you say something willfully to hurt someone, that's a sin, folks. Uh, stealing is a sin. There's sins, those are sins of commission. Anything we know that we should do and we don't do, like failing to truly love our neighbors as ourselves or forgiving someone that has hurt us in some way, these are sins. These are sins of omission. And they're not only sins in deed, but also sins in word and thought, like lying, cursing, lust, pride and hatred. The Bible says that all of these are sins. You know how many sins it takes to separate us from God? Just one, just one. And we've all sinned, it says. Just think if a person just sinned 10 times a day, or three times a day, say that somebody sinned three times a day, that'd be almost walking in water by most people's standards if you stop and think about it. And yet that's a thousand sins a year, at least a thousand a year. Normally a person lives to be 70 years old. That's 70,000 sins. And all it takes is one to separate us from God. But just one makes us impure. Just one. Reminds me of the story of a, of a young man that went in and asked his mom if he could uh, go see a, a movie. And his mom had heard about this movie and she said, no, 
There are some things in that movie that, that are immoral. I've seen that there's nudity in this movie. And uh, uh, this is just not a movie that you should be seeing. It's full of immorality, you know. And uh, the son said, oh, that's just, that's just a little bitty part. This, out of the whole movie, they say that there's just a, just a couple of scenes with that sort of stuff in it. And it's, you know, it's, it's the rest of it's good. And she said, well, I really don't want you to go see this movie, but I'm glad you're here because I need you to do something for me. And, she, and he said, what's that? Okay, I want to tell you to take this plastic bag and take this spoon. And I want you to go out in the yard and find some of Fido's doggy do. And I want you to take one, one spoon full of that and put it in this bag and bring it back to me. What? Just go bring me a spoonful of Fido's stuff out in the yard. So uh, he minded. And then he said, and then she said, uh, thanks. And then they went on about their business. And uh, then her, his mom calls him in and she's made her the nicest batch of brownies that you've ever seen. And they smell so good. And uh, she says, would you like a brownie? He said, well, yeah, mom, I really would. I said, well, I just want you to know there's a special ingredient in these brownies. So what's that? said, well, you know that spoonful of doggy do you got out of the yard? Yeah, I mixed it into this batch of brownies. But it's just a little bit. It's not much. Just a little bit. That's all. And so, you want a brownie? He says, no, I don't want a brownie. Well, why not? Because it's got doggy do in it. He said, but it's just a little bit. You won't even taste it. It's just a little bit. And he got the message about the movie. He realized that a little bit of sin is sin. He realized that exposing himself to a little bit was not a good thing. Well, it's like our lives, just one little bit of sin in our lives makes our lives imperfect and not a, a sacrifice for God. That's why Jesus had to come and die on our behalf. Because he was the only one who was perfect and who knew no sin. He was the only one who could offer up himself on our behalf. And he did so. Now this young lady, this, this mom, every time that little, that boy wanted to go see a movie that wasn't right or wanted to do something that was a little bit she'd say, did you like a brownie? No, ma'am. And he would get the message. So, uh, but anyway, God has offered Peace to us rebels through Jesus Christ. Now then, uh, the thing is, it's on his terms. It is through Jesus. It is only through Jesus. We have to accept his terms. And uh, so uh, and there's so many people that have found this out. Paul was doing his best to please God in his own power. He was doing his best, but it wasn't good enough, you see. But because he was seeking God and he was even killing Christians, trying, thinking he was doing God a favor by doing so and pleasing God, what did God do? Jesus himself came to him and in a blazing light 
struck him blind, said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Saul had a heart after God, but doing what he thought was right wasn't enough. He discovered he needed what Jesus had to offer. Cornelius was a good man. He was doing everything that he knew how to do to reach out to God. And it says in scripture, you draw near to him. You just try to draw near to him. He'll draw near to you. But the only way that Cornelius could have peace with God was through Jesus Christ. And so God made a way, didn't he? He made a way. Some people say, well, what about the pagan over there on the other side of the world living in a Muslim country that never gets to hear about God? If they're truly serious about finding and pleasing God, he will make a way. He will go to all sorts of links. And sometimes he may be wanting to use you to reach some Gentile or some pagan that hasn't come to know him yet. They're all around us today. Those who haven't come to know the peace that comes only through Jesus Christ. John Wesley was a good man. He was a preacher. He was doing his best to reach out to God. And God made a way. God made a way to let him know that it was the cross and what Jesus did on that cross was more important. That was God's offer of peace. Not how good he, he tried to be, but he had to receive what God offered as his way of peace with him only through the cross of Jesus. And that is what, God, what John Wesley discovered. And when he did so, his heart was strangely warmed. Cornelius and his family they listened to the message that Peter had that day as he told them about Jesus. And in him, they found all that they had been seeking. In him, they found that peace. And then look what it says happens at the beginning. And it says that, uh, uh, that, that all this, and while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. When we hear the message of God's offer of peace and on his terms, we receive it. He sends his Holy Spirit. And yes, the Holy Spirit is real. And you'll hear we sing about it this morning. The Holy Spirit, we, uh, we attested to it in the Apostles' Creed as we said it. He comes into our lives and he transforms us and he gives us a sense of worth we'll never know anywhere else. A sense of being at peace with God that we'll know in no other way. And that day, the Holy Spirit fell on their household as good and religious and serious and sincere as Cornelius was, this is what he was lacking. And God made a way. He had to believe 
in Jesus Christ. At the begin, at the end of uh, of he said, he orders to preach, and uh, said, "Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. It is through his name, not through any other name." Not through Muhammad, not through Vishnu, not through any other God or any other person, not through Joseph Smith, not through who knows any other leader you can think of. It is only the name of Jesus. We find anyone who calls on his name, the name of Jesus shall be saved, it says. So in believing in Jesus, what does that mean? It means, first of all, believing certain facts about Jesus, just as uh, Peter laid them out here. Believing that his life, death, burial, and resurrection really happened. They're not just a fairy tale. They really happened. It's believing that he did everything necessary to secure peace with God and forgiveness of sin. It means believing that he lives today as Lord of all and is judge of both the living and the dead. But more than all this, it means trusting and entrusting yourself to him, entrusting your whole life to the control of the one who is Lord. It is saying Lord Jesus, I believe you lived and died and rose again to offer God's peace. Forgive me for making your death necessary because of my sin. And thank you for offering me the gift of God's peace. Thank you for offering it. I receive it. Here I am. I'm yours. As it says in the song, I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, everything I am, everything I'm not, I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see if everything in me is really yours. I'm yours. You are Lord of all. Amen. When you do that, when you receive it, you're forgiven. And then you step into a realm where Paul describes it as there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who is to get to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. He intercedes for us and he gives us God's peace. Now then, Whenever the message was preached, it was received, it was believed, and things changed. People changed in an instant. Their relationship with God changed in a moment. Now, what about you? What about you? Have you made peace with God through Jesus Christ? Have you come to peace with him through his terms or have you been trying to do it on your terms? 
You know, January the 16th, I remember when this happened. January 16th, 2014, Hiru Onoda died in a hospital in Tokyo. He was 91 years of age. Hiro Onodo was the last Japanese soldier to surrender after World War II. I remember reading about this in the paper. Maybe you do too. The last Japanese soldier holding out, he surrendered to Philippine forces uh, on Lubang Island on March, uh, in March of 1974. 1974, 29 years after Japan surrendered to the Allied forces, 29 years after peace was won. For 29 years, he had hidden in jungles, fighting a war that didn't need to be fought and refusing a peace that had been repeatedly offered. Fortunately, when he was 52 years old, on his 52nd birthday, he came to his senses and surrendered to those who had once been his enemies, but who now received him as a friend. And I ask you, are you still fighting a war that doesn't need to be fought? Are you refusing a peace that God lovingly and repeatedly has offered? If so, isn't it time to come out of the wilderness of your sin and to accept the peace of God offered through his risen and conquering son? Isn't it time you surrendered? If you haven't, and you're willing to do so this morning, I ask you to just pray this prayer. Let's all bow our heads. And uh, if you want to pray this prayer and meet it, mean it while every uh, and, and, and find peace with God, while every head's bowed, every eyes closed, if you would like to receive peace with God and you want to pray this prayer with me and mean it, just lift your hand up for a moment, please. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. And I ask all of you, just go ahead and pray along with me. If you know in your heart, that you're not at peace with God, I invite you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, I want you to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe you lived and died and rose again to give me God's peace. Forgive me for making your death a necessity because of my sin. Thank you for offering me the gift of God's peace. I receive it. Here I am. I'm yours. And you are Lord of all. Amen. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, accepting God's peace, then I assure you, it has been given. Rejoice in it, and I rejoice with you for having surrendered to him this day. Amen. Now, I want to encourage all of you who prayed that prayer from your hearts and received God's peace this morning. Tell someone, tell someone, Jesus says, if uh, 
Uh, if you won't confess me before other people, then I won't confess you before my heavenly father. So you need to tell someone, just make sure that you tell someone that you did this this morning. It'd be wonderful if it was me, but if it's anybody else, uh, is somebody else you'd rather tell, just share what you have done with someone and walk in faith that this is so.